I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but most college students do. Maybe even in the past week when they got that syllabus as they started their semester and they looked at those impossible uh, assignments they'd have and deadlines they'd have to meet over the course of a semester. You lost sight of the fact you've got a semester to do it in. You see it all on one page and you sweat. And you think this is just an impossible assignment. That's what the reading today is going to sound like. A lot of people love this because if you're a Bible verse memorizer, there's very few words. There's many verses that you can memorize in a short time. And here it is. Here's the passage God would have us be at today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning verse 16, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Huh. Imperatives, these are commands. God isn't kidding. He says, this is what I want to see in your life. Commands, imperatives. Not only are they commands and imperatives, they're in the present tense, which means I want this to be ongoing. And so you've got these commands that I want you to live by all the time. And he says, by the way, with the modifiers, he says, this is for always, this is without stopping, this is at all times. You never say time out and say, God, I don't feel like rejoicing today. You don't do that. You don't ever say, you know, God, given what I'm experiencing right now, there's no way I can give thanks. God says, always, in all circumstances. And you hear that, and you go through a week like we've gone through, and you go, this is absolutely ludicrous. How does it fit? And here's how it fits. The only way you can do this is if God empowers you to do this. And it's, before a watching world, quite impressive. These are commands not to believe certain things. You can believe certain things and people not know it and be able to see it. It's all in your head, between your ears. This is a command that affects your behaviors, your actual visible behaviors, and it has something to do with what we do all the time. These are things that should be seen as taking place in your life. I want to tell you about how to ride a funeral for a second. I've had some experience with this in my life, but especially last week, it seems like, and I would call, I would call people or go visit people and say, tell me about this person. You call five or six or seven people and they all say the same things about this person. It shows up and you're like, this person must have been like this because everybody saw them that way. They were always kind. They were always helpful. They were always faithful. And when that shows up, you know you've got them. That's who they were. And you know what God asked Christians to be? Always joyful. Always praying always expressing thanks and you just want to go are you kidding me so let's take them one at a time christians always express joy now don't get confusing about this because a lot of times people say joy and he says always be happy this is not an emotion god doesn't command emotions of us he knows that our emotions 
they wax and wane and they can go from wide expanses to other wide expanses and swing from one to the other. Our emotions are not even really sometimes under our control all the time, but he says, I want you to express joy all the time. I want you to know that you have something joyful going on all the time. Regardless of whatever else is going on in your life, there is something joyful happening. He's serious about this because he says it over and over again. Here's the most famous time he says it. You know this from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord. What's the word? Rejoice in the Lord always. And let me say it again, just in case you missed it. You're reading the letter. You didn't miss it. I want you to get it. I want you to hear this. I'm serious. About it. I'm going to repeat. Now he adds repetition. That's another emphasis. And he says, I want you to know, I rejoice. I'm serious about this. As crazy as it sounds, I want you to express joy all the time. Now that doesn't come out the same way all the time. But he's serious about this. This sounds pie in the sky, like I should just have, you know those dolls that used to pull the strings and it said the same thing all the time? Are Christians just to go around, I'm happy, I'm happy, pull the string, I'm happy? Is that how we're supposed to do this? No, you won't always be happy. But you will always have something in your life for which you can be joyful and express that joy. There will always, in the human heart, even when it's weighed down by many heavy things, at the same time, God makes you capable also of knowing your joy and being able to express it. And by expressing it, you make yourself feel it keenly and it reorders everything else. He knows he's doing you a favor. He is doing you a favor by saying, I want you to express the joy that's in there. This seems weird. If if you're a Rocky fan, some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. I'm, I'm aging myself, but there were movies named Rocky. One, two, three, four, five, ten, twelve, eighty. I don't know. Now it's something else. But he was great boxing movies. And Rocky was out there one time, and he was trying to wear down his opponent by letting him hit him. And he'd come at him, ain't so bad, ain't so bad, hit me again, ain't so bad, ain't so bad. And I'm sitting there going, it looks bad, it looks bad. It must not feel good, but he's wearing the guy down, and when he wore him down, he beat him to death after that, right? That's the movie. Are Christians supposed to go, I ain't so bad, the world ain't so bad? No, that's not what he's saying. Because this life stinks, quite frankly, sometimes. And Christians feel it as much as anybody else. But at the same time, God says, I want you to practice the discipline of being able to express your joy at the same time. Things are never so bad that there aren't good things God's doing for you. And I want you to recognize it and express it and practice it. Acts 5. Actually, 1 Thessalonians. Let's do that first. He's... He's helping them to remember this. This is the same book we're in. He says, and you became imitators of us, chapter one. You started acting like us, and you started acting like Jesus. You received the word in much affliction. You know, guys, we live in America, freedom of religion. You come and you, and you, and you come to be baptized at Valley View. There's going to be great rejoicing here, and there's really not going to be anybody around who frowns upon that for the most part. But they were living in a time that if they responded to this gospel Paul was preaching, as soon as they got out of the water, their neighbors were going to afflict them and persecute them and mock them and belittle them because of this change that they're making, right? 
They knew this, they saw it, and they knew the affliction that was coming upon them, and yet they responded to the gospel, and they felt, even in the affliction and the mockery and the belittlement, they still felt the joy that the Holy Spirit was able to generate in them by the truth of the gospel. How do you explain that? Only by God. At the same time they, got, they were afflicted, they felt that joy and were able to express it. Here's another time in Acts chapter 5. The apostles were preaching and, and they were put in prison for it. The angel comes at night and gets them out. This was an amazing experience. I mean, they were released from prison by an angel and they go out and they start preaching again. And when they go to the jail, the authorities go to the jail to bring them for a hearing. They ain't there. Oh no, they're out in the open preaching and they bring him and they decide they're not going to kill him but they're going to beat him real good. And this is what it said. Took Gamaliel's advice and not kill him. And then when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them, don't say anything about the name of Jesus anymore. And they let them go. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. How can you do that? I just took a beating and then I leave and I automatically I've expressed joy for what we were able to endure. How do you explain that? It's otherworldly. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a discipline that you bring about in your life. It is a fruit of the fact that God lives in you and makes you so unexplainably different that you can rejoice even while you just got beat. It wasn't a na 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 can't touch this. No, it's not that. There's so much in life we have to endure. Disappointments, stresses, losses, pains, funerals, loss of people, health, possessions, jobs, and God says to us, always, even in those circumstances, I want you to express joy. It makes you feel what's real, but you don't have to feel it first, express it. So the Baldridges are in a hospital waiting for his mom to get there thinking they might have a chance to work on her at St. Bernard's and help her live, but it wasn't to be. Expecting that of the dad, almost any time, his health was not good, but the mother was fine, and she just dies suddenly. And you've got to reinterpret your future without this person. You'd always thought, there they are in a room being told, she's gone. There's, this is like crushing. The weight of the world falls upon you. And then... Amber, I think she's the one, if I'm wrong, somebody will correct me eventually, but she says in the middle of that room with the world crushing them, she says, we're experiencing the worst day of our lives, but Joyce is experiencing the greatest of hers. That is not a denial of our pain. That is not to say, no, 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 we don't feel anything. No, no, this is no big deal. They're saying this is terrible. But even in the midst of a darkness like that comes a flash of light and they express joy. That's called rejoicing. That's called there's still joy in this moment for us to reflect upon. And it makes the rest of it a little bit lighter. They do it naturally. This was not something that the preacher told them. This was something they remembered from out of their faith. Suddenly they rejoice in that room and there's a little bit of light and it changes everything always rejoicing 
always praying. That's the second one. This does not mean you're living a prayer. As I said in the early service, that's for Bon Jovi, right? That's, and no, I didn't sing it this time. I spared you, but it's not like you, you're baptized and suddenly your life becomes a dear Lord, and then when you die, you whisper in the name of Jesus, amen. This becomes, I'll just give you a definition of prayer. It is an, it is an intentional, listen to this definition, because I created an intentional awareness. I make myself aware of God's presence, and it's so real and so constant that I think of him as being right here all the time. And so we have conversations all day long. Does anybody else have conversations with God? I'm not talking about, you know, dear Lord. I'm talking about you just talk to him all the time. God, I really, you know, that moment right there, I made a mistake. I'm, God, my bad. That's just, I'm sorry about that. I want to do better next time. I just had that conversation because he's right there. I don't have to go, dear Lord. No, he's just right here with me. These conversations, God, what should I do right here? Anybody ever ask this question? Am I the only Looney Tune in here? Everybody, this is how we do this. It's like you're, he's with you all the time, and so it's so natural to have a discussion. You can imagine if somebody really were with you all the time. Everywhere you went, there they were. I love my wife, but I don't want her all the time, right? But imagine that you have a friend there all the time. and You would have conversations all day long, but there's other things too. If I'm aware of God's presence, I will be prayerful all the time. Like, for instance, if I'm, Jesus says to us, don't use oaths, don't swear by anything. Just let your words be th the truth. Because God is always listening. And every word you speak, he is a witness to. If I tell you something, God hears me and he's bearing witness. He can testify that I said it. I should not lie. Not just, by being, just because I'm a preacher. Not just because we're in a church building. I should not lie because God is my witness at that moment. He's right here. I'm intentionally aware of him. It would affect the way I live every time. Yes, I will have constant prayer with him. But I will think all the time, I, I'm, God's watching this. So we might be at service right now, and there might be some on their cell phone, might you know, chatter conversations with each other, but I might say, just suddenly, let's pray together. And all of a sudden, everybody kind of pays attention. And they, they're a little more quiet, they bow their heads, they might fold their hands. But like, we've just made this a holy moment. Was God not also there just one minute before that? Why is this moment, that, why all of a sudden do I get off my phone and pay attention? Why is this moment more, because I've intentionally brought God into this moment, and it's a prayerful moment. Well, shouldn't I have done that a minute ago? And when the prayer amen is said, shouldn't I be the same way then? What makes that so special? Because I'm consciously bringing God into that moment and having a conversation. And God, and Paul says to us, we should always be aware of God's presence in our lives right there. This is good, y'all. This is not a bad, scary thing. This is a great thing. You're never where God is not. Ever. And then finally, express thanks in all circumstances. That's crazy. We've got families among us going, how in the world? Give thanks in all circumstances? Give God credit for everything verbally? Give God credit 
when you give God credit, he gets glory and God wants to be glorified in us. And so we, we are as expressive with our gratitude as we can be because that's what gives God credit and that's what gives God glory in the world. How many times in Scripture is this said? And it tells us how. Here's one occasion, Ephesians chapter 5, when he says to us, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gives four expressions of what that looks like. And the third one is this. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will always be able to give him thanks for the things he does for you. Regardless of whatever else is going on that dominates your mind, there is something to be thankful for, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to it and bring it to your mind and make you expressive of it and make you so feel about that that you express gratitude for it, even in the midst of a season of turmoil. And there's something spirit about that. Ephesians 5. Then Colossians 1, he's praying that you please God in every way. Bearing fruit, right? He wants you to be ple- God to be pleased to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And I'm assuming that everyone in here walks in a manner, wants to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. I'm assuming you do. And if you do, the, the fourth of four things you will do is give thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Gratitude will flow from the life, the mouth of a person whose heart is filled with God's Holy Spirit in all circumstances, is able to identify that even here, I can express gratitude. This worship service today is not a denial that we hurt. It's not a denial that life stinks. We're not coming here and we're just hiding from the troubles and leaving them in our cars and going, we're going to go in here and act like everything's A-OK and easy peasy and then we're going to go back into our world. It's not what we're doing. That would be just like pie in the sky stuff. What we are doing is bringing the troubles of life in here to this room, together sharing it collectively Bring it before a holy God, and we're going to, God, we're going to do what you tell us to always do. We're going to do this in the same heart that brings trouble and stress and trauma that is here. We didn't leave it in the car. We can't leave it in the car. You can't leave it. It's in your life. You bring it here, and then you expose it to a holy God. And in this moment, he says, I want you to, for a moment, just remember that you have things to be thankful for and joyful of, and you have things that you can bring to me, and I want you to feel free to bring them to me. Aware of my presence, I'm sharing all of this with you. You need this reminder, and it's not going to change anything because those troubles will still be in your head as you leave this building. But something's going to be different. Something is going to be different. So we express joy. We express our dependence in prayer and we express our gratitude. And notice the end of this passage. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God wants this for you because he knows it's good for you. 
You might want to say, but it's troublesome today. I've got so many burdens. I want to stay in my recliner. I don't want to mess with those people down at church, and I don't want to get ready and go up the hill, and I don't want to sing praises when I don't feel like singing praises. I want to sit in my recliner, and that's the worst thing you can do. You need to bring it up here, and you need to share it with us. We will share it with you. We will express it with you, and you will be changed. God's trying to do you a favor. He's trying to help you. You think you want to sit in your misery. He knows you need to expand your faith and practice it. How in the world can we do this? One, why do we do this? Because Jesus lived like this and Paul lived like this and the Thessalonians were told to live like this. And if that's what Jesus did, we need to do the same thing. And if that's the only reason, that's enough. We imitate our Lord here. He is our Lord. And sometimes we want to act so much less than that. We shouldn't. In a moment, we're going to gather around a table. In a moment, we're going to gather around a table and remember that God has done stuff for us. He gave up his kid for us. He suffered and endured, but he did it for a reason, and it benefited you. And we're going to remember that, and we're going to remember that our sufferings have a purpose too. We're going to do what Jesus did. Number two, it's going to impact the world. Y'all, the world is so full of misery and is so full of pursuing their own stuff and they're so full of stress and anxiety, just watch the news a night and your anxiety level will go up octaves. And in a world like that, to see people always joyful, who choose to take their troubles to an almighty, all-powerful, all-present God, and who always find ways to have thankfulness in their hearts, that will shine like stars in the night sky. I wonder if that's God's design. Number three, because we know some things. Because of what in Christ we have. This is God's will in Christ. Are you in Christ? There's some things you know. And I want you to affirm this. And I want, you to, I want to ask you that if you believe it. Do you believe that your absolute sure salvation is more of more value and significance than any suffering that you endure in this life? Let me ask this again. Do you believe the absolute sure salvation that we have is of more value than any of the suffering we experience in this life? Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you can be joyful. Only if you believe that can you be joyful. Paul says, I, I reckon the sufferings of this present life are not worth comparing with the glory we're going to get over there. Remember that. If you're in Christ, that's true. Now here's another one. Are you persuaded God is always present, ready to listen, ready to respond to the needs of your life? Do we serve an ever-ready God, present, listening all the time? Do we believe that? Are you persuaded of that? Do you believe that? Let me ask again. Are you persuaded God's always present, always ready to listen, always ready to respond to the needs of your life? Do you believe that, church? If you believe that, you will pray all the time and depend on. Here's the last one. Do you believe God will make all things work together for the good of those who love him? Be careful with this one. 
this is really almost too good to be true. I don't need a Sunday school response. The question is, do you believe everything works to the good of those who love him? Do you believe that? Then every circumstance contains something for which to be thankful. Here's the last one. The only explanation for how you can live this way is that God must live in you. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is not something that you can just work to bring into your life. You can't work to bring the fruit of the Spirit into your life. And we sometimes cover the fruit of the Spirit like, you've got to bring more joy. No, no, this is what you're supposed to produce if the Holy Spirit is in you. It is there. It is there for the taking. It's, it's, it's there for us. And so it's there. It's, it's, it's what flows out when the Holy Spirit's in you. This is not, y'all, these attributes These things that we're talking about are not things that come naturally. They don't give you advantages in this world. These are not things you develop to move up in the world. No, none of those things will move you up in the world. And it's almost unexplainable when somebody is patient. It's almost unexplainable when somebody has joy despite the circumstance. It's almost unexplainable. And people look, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you can can go through this experience and respond this way. I don't know how you do it. And the truth is the only explanation is God must be living in you. And you know what happens when you're a believer? God moves in. He is living in us and he makes this life possible. And when people see it, the only explanation is God's there. That's it. That's the only explanation there is. You have God living in you. And God asks, since I'm living in you, I want you to always express joy. I want you to always pray to be in dependence. And I want you to always be thankful. Because that's what I would do if I'm living in you, and I am. May we be people who seek to do the will of God and think deeply about what we know in Christ. And if we do, we will have these consistent behaviors showing up and flowing out of our lives before a watching world that marvels. It will get God glory and attention from a watching world, which is what he designed us to do. And it will will serve you good because it's going to make you See the difference God makes in your life. This morning of all mornings, we needed to sing, The joy of the Lord will be our strength. We will not falter walking by faith. We, it sounded almost out of order, didn't it? Except that it isn't if you need to respond this morning the gospel's been presented the word has been heard and if you need to make a change and you need a change that requires our attention we would love to offer that to you as we stand and as we sing together